Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Happy Friday, everybody. Today, I have Brett Quiring, Western, sorry, Western Sales Director over at Clutch in Orange County, California. Brett, welcome. Hey, how's it going, Paul? Good, man. Listen, say hi, say hi to everybody and uh, introduce yourself real quick here. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Brett Quiring. I uh, work at Clutch. I live in Southern California in Orange County. I am a dad of two crazy wild boys, eight and five and a half, and I have a, a lovely, beautiful wife, Shannon. She's a stay-at-home mom, and uh, just enjoying Southern California. Good. Well, Brett, really appreciate you uh, taking some time to speak with us today. You know, the foundation of Thank the you. podcast really is, as the title says, your intention matters, and it really stems from everything from mindset that nothing's handed to you. And in speaking with you, uh, I am excited to talk to you and have you share your story here. So let's get into it. Absolutely. All right. So let's go back to 2003, University of Arizona. Uh You're a wildcat and you're graduating with a degree in communications. What did you Mm -hmm. want to do with that? Any idea? What was your goal? What was your vision at the time? No, no clue. (laughs) Really? You know, it's funny. Nothing. I was like, you know what, I, just, I want to be successful. That was my goal. What did that look like? I had, I had no idea. It's funny, um, with, with college, you know, I came into college, and they're going to tell me what I should do. I should figure it out. And I got halfway through and realized I have no clue what I want to be when I grow up. I still don't. But then so my, I come from a family of teachers. I thought, maybe I'll be a teacher uh, because my parents seem to be doing really well. And I went in and took a couple of those classes and was just awful. I hated it. So then I found communication because I'll just take this as a throwaway class. And when I did, I realized, oh, this is so helpful from learning about uh, conflict management, negotiation. I was like, These are life skills. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to do this, not knowing what that's going to lead to. Apparently, communications means sales. I have no idea. And next thing you know, uh, here we are. <laughs> Some 17 years later, here we are, right? Yeah. Exactly. All right. So, so once you graduated, you need you needed a job. What'd you do? Well, so actually, before I graduated, it was it was senior year, spring break, and well, while I was in college, I was a corporate DJ doing weddings and proms and um, and different things like that. And before that, I was uh, I was doing uh, I was the fundraiser for the University of Arizona. So that was my first kind of like real job where my friend told me to do it because it'd be fun. So there was like five of us doing it. But literally, it was the hardest sales job I think I ever had while I was at Arizona. And that's calling people that had recently graduated and asking, asking them to donate more money. Like, what are you talking about? I just gave you $30,000, $50,000, and you want $100 more? Sir, you know, just divide it out over. He's like, are you kidding me? I can't even find a job. <laughs> so that was tough. Plus, you're calling them at dinner time, too. So that was nice. Uh, but you got to learn the answer no and learn that word and figure out how to overcome it and not take it personal. So taking that and rolling it into being a corporate DJ after that uh, was really uh, having a stronger work ethic of saying, okay, I'm going to make sure pe- set up the set up the event, have fun, and make sure people are having fun during the event, and then tear it down. 
and then after that, I said, okay, I'm going to, once I graduated, well, before I graduated, uh, I said, I got to figure out how, what I'm going to do. So I went to a job fair and there was a whole bunch of these jobs that I guess are like first time out of college jobs, like Pulte Homes and, uh, and, uh, Elo Gallo Winery and then Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And I said, oh, Great they're company. based in Southern California. Great company. Didn't know much about them except that they rent cars, but they were based in Orange County. So I could go from Arizona back to Orange County. And I said, that's what I want to do. Not knowing much of what that entitled, uh, but it was, it turned out to be a perfect job for me. I was five blocks from the beach, 10 <laughs> blocks from main street, uh, work hard, play hard. And it was, it was an absolute blast. But then I guess that was my first introduction into sales and little did I know the auto industry of all things. And so how long, uh, did you last at enterprise? How long did you just stay there? So, uh, three and a half years, which felt a lot longer than it was. One, because I was younger, too, because it was, it was a lot of work. But it was a perfect foundation for me coming out of college and, and really learning what the professional world was like for the first time, being ignorant and not knowing much about it. Uh, I absolutely loved the job. I ruined a bunch of white shirts, a bunch <laughs> of ties. You have to wear white shirts and ties, uh, getting vacuumed up. And, I mean, you did everything. Uh, but the people you worked with, um, there's no better people. Uh, and then you get into the reach, but that's also retail. And I realized I got to get out of retail. Why? Uh, <laughs> why? Well, I, I was like, how come I can't tell somebody no intelligently and not have them understand why? So I said, if I go into business to business sales, I think I can have an intelligent conversation and tell them no. And they would actually respond better. Uh, so that was one of the reasons Two. I was stuck indoors all day and little did I know as I wanted to be outside and in, in the, in the sunshine. And we would, we would rent cars to some of these outside salespeople and they had pretty nice cars and they had a pretty good gig and they loved what they did when I would talk to them and try to sell them damage waiver. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I want to be that guy or that person or that woman. And that's when I said, that's for my first time. I was like, that's what I want to do that's what I want to do is to get in the, get out in the field and be a salesperson and make good money and sell something out in the sunshine and walk around. And so if, if you go back to that time, did you have any thought in terms of well, what you actually wanted to sell other than, no, I, I just want to be an outside salesperson, a territory, have some freedom being in the car, but did you have any vision for what it was that you actually wanted to sell or was just, no, I want to be a territory mm -hmm. salesperson? Yeah. You know, I wanted to be medical device or pharmaceutical because they seem to make the most money. <laughs> that's the only reason. <laughs> Nothing more than that. This is so silly, right? All about the like, Benjamins, that's, right? That's what I want to do. It was, when I was that young, it was. Yeah. Um, and as you get older, at least for me, as I got older and I grew in maturity, I said, well, maybe there could add a little bit more purpose to what I'm doing and really enjoy making an impact either professionally and per uh, personally in other people's lives. And then I started saying, okay, how can I, do, how can I do that? So you, you have a three to four year run at enterprise, uh, branch manager, mm -hmm. a great job, good network and good, great experience. Uh, what was next? Well, actually what was next, Paul, was, was this small little company that offered me outside sales. It was a company called laser cycle. And with laser cycle, I was only there for eight months because I was going from one, I went from college to 
to enterprise with like a week break into this company with no break. And I was getting myself a little burnout. Um, but it offered me outside sales selling printer cartridges. <laughs> so not as, not as cool as Xerox, but <laughs> it was selling printer cartridges and services. Uh, but it was a great foundation for an outside sales business because I had to, I had to start in the office, go out in the field, oh, cold call, make 60 calls a day is kind of what I hammered away because those calls plus demos equal sales. So hammering the phones, then I'd have to come back to my office after going to the meetings and then drive home. So it's been an hour drive home. I was like, man, this is, this is not exactly what I was hoping it would be. And I was already burnt out. So it wasn't that company. It was more me. Fair. So I, so I left the company in August or no, in, I think it was like September and I actually got my first, no, it was not, it was, it was in June and got my first summer in a long time. And I started with, with Mannheim about one and a half months after that. Re, retooled, retooled and ready to go. All right. And so what'd you do at Mannheim and for how long? So Mannheim, I fell into, uh, it was so random, car auctions. Uh, Mannheim's owned by Cox Automotive. And Mannheim's the largest auction company in, in the world. Uh, most people don't know about it. If you're a car dealer, you, you live by it. Mm. Uh, and it's literally just a marketplace. People buy and sell cars. Dealers bring cars to sell, and they bring themselves to buy. Uh, and, I mean, the, the one I was working at Anaheim, we pushed through about 2,500 cars a week. And my job was to keep the lanes full, go out and talk to dealers, get them to bring cars, bring, get them to bring themselves, to raise their hand in the air. And it's literally an auction. Cars, just, cars are like cattle, just filing through. And so how long did you work under the Cox umbrella, Cox Automotive umbrella? Nine and a half years. Wow. So I started at Mannheim, was an outside sales there. And that was great. That was true outside sales. Little did I know. I fell into exactly what I was looking for and did that for, for about two years. Uh, won, some, won some awards. I got some great acknowledgments, and then I was asked to join the, uh, the, the training team and help train people across the nation. Uh, where you actually go in and see customers in person with your salespeople and hear what they're doing that's working, give suggestions about what might be they could do better, and did that for a year. That was fun. But I had a, a newborn baby at home, and I was traveling 50 out of 52 weeks. And I was like, all right, what's next? And right when I was looking, my um, when I was just thinking about what I wanted to do next, my old sales director offered uh, asked me to interview for the sales manager position of my old team. Uh, so I kind of fell into that and did that for about four and a half years, I think. Okay. And so that's what brought me up to about nine and a half years. Pretty good run. I mean, you, you don't really see that yeah. these days on both sides of the coin in terms of uh, commitment True. and loyalty. And so uh, did you leave electively on your own? I did. People thought I was crazy, but yeah, talk to I me. did. So I was there for nine and a half years. And I was almost like having like a professional midlife crisis, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, um, if I get, if I get to 10 years, I'm going to be stuck. It was a great company and it was a great industry. I'm going to be stuck here forever. But uh, that was pretty scary. I had an amazing team. My team was so good that I felt like I, there's no more challenges. They didn't even need me to help support them. They're like, why are you calling me? And they're hitting their numbers. And I was just kind of sitting back and, and I was like, there's no challenge. Um, want something new. And this company out of the blue up in Portland uh, found me and it was everything I was hoping to do. And, you know, you've been there so long at Mannheim, like, well, we should do this and we should do that. And, you know, there's other people that make those decisions. And this company, Quick Tracks, found me 
and they said, hey, we're looking for an executive to lead and build and grow the sales team. Uh, and it was a different, it was a new company. They were based in Portland. I was in Southern California. So it was a new area, which I had to sell my wife on. It was uh, in a new industry and it was to, to help scale and strategize. And I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> Little did I know it was a lot. I was, I wished, I wished and prayed for change and boy, did I get it. Uh, so we moved my family. I can't believe my wife said yes, but she did being a Southern California girl her whole life. Uh, we moved the entire family up to Portland, uh, December. Well, I, I came, I went up in December of 2016 and then the entire family moved up January 1st on new year's day. We're sitting in the airport, um, thinking, well, okay, here we go. And flying up to Portland. And we started our life in Portland on January 1st, 2017, which just so happens to be the world's, Portland's biggest snowstorm and wettest winter of all time. Now, this Portland being the wettest. Yes. Think about that. Yes, <laughs> I am. So listen, let me ask you this. At least tell me that you flew out of John Wayne and not LAX. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely John Wayne. Good. Absolutely. I, what I a pleasure LA that airport is. What a pleasure that airport is, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. So how long did you stay in Portland? That must have been a massive paradigm shift for a number of different reasons. Great town, but mm -hmm. totally different than Orange County, California. And so how long were you up there? Totally different. We were up there for about 18 months, 18 months, and it felt like an eternity uh, and it was, but it was, it was awesome because we met great friends, the people up in Portland, we were in Beaverton, Nike town, mm. USA, so just outside the people up there were amazing. Uh, the weather was really tough. We sold our house in California and Carlsbad and we said, we're not coming back. We're going to, we're going to you know, make this thing work. And, uh, so we had the mindset of forever and then 18 months felt like it was forever. But it was it was the run had kind of come to an end and was ready to kind of see what was next. And so, OK, so how did you get back to California then? And I don't mean mm -hmm. like flight. I mean, so sure. how did this how did that transition happen? How was the road? Yeah. What was my road looking like? Yeah. So we um, we were up in Portland and it was a, the company I was working at. Um, it was a, it was a good company. But there was some cultural shifts and different things that, that, that I was looking at and, and wanted to kind of figure out where we wanted to go from there because it just wasn't quite a perfect fit. It wasn't exactly what I expected. So if anybody ever tells you it's going to be a dream job, you know, double check. Uh, but it was a great company. Uh, but then we're looking, and after, after, a couple, uh, after a year and a half or so, I found myself looking for another job and saying, okay, we've got to figure out what's next. And at that point, we're, I was sitting there saying, okay, we got to figure out what I'm going to do next. And it's pretty, it can be pretty scary. But while I was in Portland, I was, I was able to kind of rediscover my faith a little bit. And, um, and I said, okay, I kind of will intentionally move our, our family, moved up there. I've kind of exhausted my resources. What should, what, what should I do next? As I just kind of prayed about what we should do. And as I go to church and try to figure out how to get some control by working out and, and kind of saying, okay, I'm going to take control of my, my, my mind, body, soul, mm. and family. And when it, I was, I was looking for, for a job for about two months. And uh, that's when it was, if you ask my wife, she says it's probably the best time we had, which you think would be the scariest time. But I was, I was now sitting at home 
spending some intentional time with the family instead of focusing just on work and trying to make this thing happen and really looking at how I can fill all the buckets from the family, personal, and professionally. And that's when uh, uh, Clutch Technologies really found me after two months. And I was working to try to find a job for a long time, but it just kind of fell into my lap. And it turned out to be an outstanding job. And they offer, the position was um, Western, Western sales director. And I could stay in Portland or I could move wherever I wanted. I said, this is a perfect opportunity to figure out a way to move back home. Right. Because uh, you're, always, you're always afraid you move somewhere. You're never, you always hear about people moving out of state and never coming back, whether that's intentionally or not. We were afraid we were never going to be able to move back. But our family's here. The sun shines here. <laughs> there's palm, palm trees and sand here. So I was like, I have to figure out a way to get back. So it just kind of came together. And so you've been back for and how in, long? When did you move back to Orange County? So crazy. It's been about just last month had been the exact amount of time that we were in Portland for. But it feels like Portland felt so much longer than being back in Southern California. Hey, no offense, Portland, if you're listening. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know. Portland is an amazing place. And, you know, there's a lot of people from Portland that moved to Southern California. We had friends that moved to Southern California. Like, oh, man, I miss the, I miss the pine trees. And yeah. I miss the smells and the seasons. And it, it was more of, of a, a family-rooted thing than anything else. I mean, Portland is absolutely gorgeous. But coming from Southern California, living in the desert for, for University of Arizona, and then saying, I'm tough, I can handle the rain. It's more of me being a wussy than anything else. No, well, listen, there's something to be said about, you know, comfort in terms of where you live. But I get what you said. The, the, the northeast or the northwest of the U.S., the Seattle, Portland, Oregon area, Washington State. I mean, it's just beautiful up there. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, when, when you, you know, when you have a, um, a desire and you want to live in a certain part of the world and that's where you're from. And, you know, so you just kind of make it happen. So good on you for doing that. Mm hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what a cool ride here. So you graduate uh, Wildcat University of Arizona 2003. No clue what you want to do. You just know you, you want to be no. successful, whatever that means to, to you or anybody else. Exactly. You, you end up, you know, you know, trying to get alumni to send more money back to the house. You, you're a DJ for a little <laughs> bit. You get into retail sales at Enterprise, which is a great company. And you kind of cut your teeth there doing that. You realize, okay, well, I, I want to do a little bit more. And then you stay in the automotive business and you get into outside sales, long run at Cox Autom uh, Automotive. And then you pick, up, you pick up your family with two young kids and you go north to Portland. Uh, and then you're actually out of, you're there for 18 months or so. And you're, you actually are out of work for a bit. And, and mm -hmm. I'm sure at the moment, you know, because I've been there as well where you're out of work and it's not exactly, you know, the, the, the best time in people's lives. But when you look back on it, much like you said about your wife, things usually happen for a reason and there were positives that came out of it. And now you're back in Southern California. Uh, great, yeah. great gig at Clutch and uh, you're moving forward. You know, it's crazy. It's um, it was the, it was exactly it was a perfect lesson in, in, in my professional career. And I think it, people always, there's sometimes a misnomer as well. You know, if I just have an easy cush job for a long time, I'm happy. Uh, but I think the most change, the most growth is comes, comes from challenges and saying, oh, you think that's good. We'll try this and try something a little harder. And if people are so afraid for, for failure. See, I, I was too, I was just ignorant, <laughs> mm. but coming out of there, I said, oh, thinking I could do anything. Right. 
and coming out of there, I'm like, man, and I did all right. It was great. I really had a lot of great accomplishments there, uh, but it just wasn't the perfect fit for me. And so leaving there, I said, okay, I, I tell people all the time, I felt like I grew 10 years in a year and a half, uh, just professionally and personally. Uh, and it just, it was just a long road to get where I wanted to get to, which really wasn't from a timeline. It wasn't even that long. It just felt a lot longer. Fair. You know, Brett, on that note, if, you know, given your, your meandering career and what you've been able to create personally and professionally, if anybody came to you and was looking for a piece of advice, anything that pops out that you would say this would be one thing to, that's maybe stuck with you, maybe someone gave you this advice or you've learned along the way that you would want to pay it forward, what might that be? Focus on where you want to be, whatever that looks like. Focus on not necessarily where you want to be tomorrow, but where you want to be what your North star is. Right. And, and, and if you keep focusing on that, you can take a lot of different roads and it can kind of get you to where you want to be. One of the things that I learned by going up to, to Portland and back was before I went, I had this, this such a linear line. I have to be a salesperson and I have to be a sales manager. Then I have to be a director. Then I have to be a VP. Then I have to be in a, well, it doesn't have to work that way. And if you really look at people on LinkedIn, you can see a lot of different shifts and shuffles and people hire uh, work ethic, uh, creativity. They don't necessarily, I, some of my best hires were some very roundabout routes. Mm. So don't get caught up on just, you have to go down one specific path. As long as you're working hard, you got a good story to come out of what you did. Um, and it, it'll bring you to where you want to be eventually. And it's not going to happen. You know, I think people want it to happen tomorrow and it doesn't, but it will happen over time as you continually grow. You know, sound advice. I love it. Thanks for, uh, for sharing that. Listen, I have one more question for you before I let you go here. Uh, you went to University of Arizona. You're a Wildcat, but you're a Southern California boy. So are you a Trojan? Are you mm -hmm. a Bruin? Are you up in Portland? Are you a Duck? Are you a Wildcat? What are you? <laughs> I'm definitely a Wildcat. Bear down. Definitely a Wildcat. But my brother-in-law did play at University of Colorado before he came to the Pac-10. He was uh, Scotty McKnight. He was on the he was on the Buffs, and he uh, he it was we used to fly up there to watch his games all the time. It was like 05 to 09, something like that. And it was one of the best times uh, in our lives going up and watching him play football. Love it. So I have a little bit of soft spot for for the Colorado Buffs. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, listen, Brett. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time. I think we'll wrap this one up right now. Hey, thank you so much, Paul. Love what you're doing, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me onto the podcast. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. So thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Remember that your intention absolutely matters because that's the result that you'll tend to get. So we're out of here, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Go Leafs, go Raps, and for my guest, Brett, let's go Wildcats. Thank you.